Welcome to the third Sunday of Advent at Forest Lake United Methodist Church. Our text for today comes again from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, this time chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let us pray. Almighty God, we trust that you are already constructing this highway of freedom, this highway of healing and wholeness in our midst, but yet we live in a reality that is far different, where people are hurting and where people are turning one against the other. Lord, help us to live joyfully as we follow you on this road to health and wholeness. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, I've never been in captivity, but I do remember what it was like to get out of school for the summer. Particularly, I remember the end of my fourth grade year for some reason. Finally, I finished the last day of class. I rode the long school bus route home. As I walked up the yard towards my house, I threw my lunchbox in the air as far as I could, just with great jubilee and excitement. It fell to the ground and landed in two pieces. My mom, my mom wasn't thrilled about the destruction, but nothing would spoil my celebration. Oh, it's good to be free, isn't it? We see it in graduates tossing their caps. We see it in POWs kissing the ground upon their return to their native country. I can't even begin to imagine the joy that prisoners must feel when they are released from their captivity. And our story, the Christian story, is a story of freedom. It's a story of liberation from captivity time and time again. Before Israel was even a country, they were slaves in Egypt. They endured 400 years of horrible bondage under the pharaohs there, where they worked long hours making the brick to construct the mighty buildings in, the, in Egypt. They were continually crying out to God, the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to deliver them, and God heard their cry. God called an 80-year-old man to set them free. Yet that Moses was 80 when God called him. And so we need to bear in mind that God uses all of us, even those who think we are beyond our years. God calls this 80-year-old man to deliver them. 
And then God sends signs and wonders to finally cause Pharaoh to release the captives. After spending their whole lives in bondage, the Hebrews left as a wealthy people. According to Exodus, God instructed them to plunder the Egyptians. Uh, they, they left with jewelry, with gold, with precious metals and stones from Egypt. Uh, in, in essence, Egypt paid them to leave, and so they left these lifelong poor slaves left as wealthy individuals. But that wealth was both a blessing and a curse. Now, with it, with that gold and that jewelry, they were able to construct the tabernacle, all of those ornate fixtures that are in the tabernacle, and in the Holy of Holies especially, those were covered in this in these jewels and, and precious metals that they plundered from the Egyptians, and so it became a house for God. On the other hand, they also used some of that gold and precious stones to construct a golden calf in a blatant act of idolatry. They used the very same instruments, the very same wealth to both honor and bless God and also to show extreme disrespect for God. Freedom was an incredible gift, but it must be used wisely. And some of the time along the way, the, the Jews, the, the Hebrew people, failed to use that newfound freedom wisely, and it kept leading them into trouble. By Isaiah's time, the people of Judah were once again misusing their freedom. They ignored Isaiah's warnings about political alliances. Isaiah warned them if they continued to make evil political alliances, if they continued to depend on their own strength and wisdom instead of God's, that it would once again lead to destruction and to captivity. But they ignored. And as a result, the Babylonians conquered. They conquered Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple, the house where they believed God lived, and they carried at least some of the Jews away into captivity. After all of these centuries, after the deliverance of God, that God provided from Egypt, they found themselves right back where they were, different countries, same circumstances, in captivity once again. They made their new home in a foreign land where all they could do is wonder about what went wrong. They wondered about their God. Was their God, Yahweh, was God defeated by the Babylonian gods? Is that why they were in captivity now? Or had God deserted them? Had God given up on them and forgotten the promise that he made to them? So, not only were they physically captives in Babylon, but they were left in a spiritual dark place where they didn't even know what to think about the God they thought they trusted. It was a dark time of spiritual and physical bondage. But today's text happens in that setting, in that captivity. While the Jews were, were captives in Babylon, while they were captives to this fear about who their God was, Isaiah speaks these words of prophecy to them. God is building a highway from Babylon to Jerusalem. Don't, don't let our circumstances get you down because God has not forgotten you. God is building a highway from Babylon back to Jerusalem. Isaiah promises that they will march joyfully back to Zion, that sickness and injury will be healed, that the dry desert around them will be filled with streams, that their enemies can no longer attack them there, and that even fools will not get lost along the journey. It will be leading them straight back to Jerusalem. God will liberate once again. And in fact, God did through, through Zerubbabel and 
Ezra and Nehemiah, God restores Jerusalem to a sense. There's a temple, there's a wall, but it's not what it was before. And so the Jews begin to look to something else, some other deliverance. John the baptizer is the one who announces it. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God, announcing the coming of Messiah. God is coming to set the people free from their captivity once again. Now in the New Testament, their captives are Romans. Their captives are also their their religious, their dead religious ways. But God is coming near to set them free. God has come near, a baby in a manger to liberate us from our chains. A child shall lead us. This child, the Christ child, shall lead us. The Christ child leads us on the way, constantly on the move. You want to be a disciple? You've got to get up and follow. Jesus is constantly on the move, healing, liberating, and sharing good news. Disciples have to follow close behind, imitating the master. Emmanuel, God with us, not to stay in a house to be worshipped on Sunday morning, but to lead us on the path to freedom throughout the week. The Exodus tells us how God delivered the Hebrew slaves. After abusing their freedom, Isaiah prophesies how God will once again deliver the people of Judah. It's a promise that's ultimately revealed in the birth of Jesus. But where are we now? Some would argue that we've landed once again right back in captivity. Perhaps we've misused our freedoms that came in Christ. But whatever the case, many would argue that we are once again in bondage, the pandemic, nationalism, political strife, wars, violence in our streets and in our schools. And yesterday, even our annual conference splintered. The church itself not immune from the divisiveness of our culture. Is there still hope for the church in our time? Is there still hope for the world in our time? John Wesley's dying words were, Best of all, God is with us. The baby in the manger is still paving a way for his church. We can boldly march along that highway with joy, healing, and freedom, not only for ourselves, but for all of those around us. But we're still on the way. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. Our church is on the way. Forest Lake is on the way, freed from captivity and ready to embrace the goodness of God in 2023. We'll face new challenges. We'll embrace new people and transform more fully into the body of Christ. We are on the way. Christ is leading. It's time to get up and follow.